We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so after a bit of a break over the summer, we are jumping back into Kings. So this is actually now episode five of Kings. And so far, if I do a bit of a recap, so far we've seen King David, very old, very ill in bed, and he's come to the end of his reign. And then we had one of his sons, Adonijah, tried to seize the throne, but that isn't what God has ordained. God has said that. Is it this one? Shall I stay here? <laughs> I think it has. Done nothing wrong. I'll, um, we'll persist. Okay. Can you hear me? <laughs> now? Okay. So, one of David's sons, Adonijah, tried to take the throne, but it wasn't ordained that he would do that. So then we've seen Solomon be anointed as king. That was what God had ordained, and he's now king. Um, And so far, his reign has been a bit interesting. We've seen various political assassinations. So he's basically gone round and killed a bunch of people, some of who David said that he should kill, some of whom he's just killed. Then he's gone and married the daughter of the pharaoh. And this is a really interesting move from him because politically it's quite clever because he's married into one of the most powerful nations. However, the people of Egypt, if you remember the story of the prince of Egypt, is who the Jews have just been freed from. So he's actually married back into this family. So this is not what God would have. And actually in the scripture it says, do not take foreign wives. And that doesn't mean about nationality, it's talking about don't marry people who are not following me. And that's exactly what he's done in these first few weeks of his reign. So it's not been great so far. And then God appears to Solomon in a dream and he says, ask for whatever you want and I will give it to you. And Solomon's response we're going to look at now. Dante's going to read for me what um, Solomon asks for. Let me... Uh, 1 Kings 3, 6 to 9. Don't worry about it. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on this throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count in number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. So who is able to govern this great people of yours? Great, thanks. So this is a really good move from Solomon, considering what we just spoke about. So he's made some pretty unwise choices, and then he asks for wisdom. So this is pretty good that he's asking for wisdom at this point. Um, I find it really interesting how he asks. So I've highlighted here, it says, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Solomon at this point obviously is already married. He has some children. He's king. So he's not a little child in the sense that we would think. He's talking here about the fact that he doesn't know how to carry out his duties, as he says. He's not prepared for what he's being asked to do. And this really stands out to me because 
most of you, or some of you will know that I'm a secondary school teacher and I teach German, which is fine because I speak German, I've studied German, that's fine, I don't mind teach, teaching that. However, I've also been asked to teach Spanish, which is quite an issue for me because I don't, I don't speak Spanish. Um, however, I have been studying for a year and I'm getting there slowly. Lots of help from Marissa has been amazing. Um, but I'm kind of in this position where I'm like, I'm not qualified to do what I'm being asked to do. And I find it really interesting how Solomon asks, because he says, he asks for this blessing. He says, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me in order to govern your people. So immediately he's asking for this blessing and he's already saying, in order to bless these people. And he doesn't just say people. He then goes on to say this great people. And I find that a really interesting perspective that he's got there. It's not inward facing. Because I think sometimes when I've been asking for help with my Spanish, I'm saying, God, please just give me the gift of Spanish, they would just come. Um, it's like, it is about my students, but also it's a bit because I don't want to look stupid, you know? And I don't want some of my students to think, oh, what's she doing here? Or even the other teachers to be like, oh, whatever, you know? Um, and so I think it's interesting, this perspective that we can have when we ask for blessing from God. It's like, what is, but, but what for? Like, God, would you give me the gift of Spanish that I can help these students? And how do I see them? Is it just my students, or do I actually feel that kind of privilege of like these amazing kids that I get to spend time with, and that my profession allows me to build these relationships with them, which I wouldn't otherwise have? And I think, I just want to encourage you, like you might be in a profession where it's like your CV, it doesn't qualify you for what you're being asked to do, and you're thinking, how am I going to do this? But actually, it's not our CVs that give us our jobs, it's God because he provides. And actually, if he's given you that job, then he's going to give you exactly what you need to do that job well. And I just want to encourage you with that. I think this is a really interesting frame here for how we can ask God for things. It's good to ask him for things, definitely. But let's kind of have that perspective of in order to serve you. Um, now, God responds to what Solomon asked for. Jonty's going to read this next bit here. This is what God says back to Solomon. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as your, David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. Awesome. So God is really pleased with what Solomon asked for. He's really happy that he's asked for wisdom. Um, and I think that this is just, you know, God just loves it when we pursue aspects of his character. So when we chase after aspects of him and we ask him, you know, God, help me to love more, to have more patience, to, be, to have more wisdom. I think this is amazing. And some commentators that I was looking at actually say it's kind of also going back to the Garden of Eden where you have Adam and Eve in the garden. And God puts the tree in the middle of the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil. And he says, don't eat from the tree. And obviously, they do eat from that tree. And that's where you have the fall and the situation we're in. Um, 
But actually, this is the opposite, because Solomon isn't reaching for wisdom. He's going to God first and asking for wisdom from him. And that some commentators are saying you know, that that's why God is so pleased here, because it's what he actually had planned in the beginning, that we wouldn't reach for things for ourselves, that we would come to him and ask, because he loves to give gifts to us. Um, so I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. And actually, Jesus refers back to this later in Matthew 6. And he's talking to his disciples in Matthew 6, and he's saying, do not worry. That's like the message. Do not worry. And he says, look at the lilies and how they're dressed and how amazing they are. And they're not even worrying about what they're going to eat. They're not worrying about what they're going to drink. And yet they're dressed like this. And he says, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed as richly as this. So he's thinking about Solomon. And then in verse 33, he says a verse that we'll probably have heard of where he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And I think it's really interesting that Jesus refers back to this. I think it shows just how pleased God was with what Solomon did. And Solomon obviously goes on to do lots of other things that God is not pleased with. But at this point, God is really pleased with this thing that he comes to him first and he seeks first his kingdom and that Jesus actually instructs us to do the same. Um, Immediately after this exchange, so you've had, he's asked for wisdom, he's been given wisdom, God's really pleased. Then we have an example of this wisdom at play. Um, it's quite an interesting story, Dante's going to read it. Some of us will already know it. Let's see what we think of Solomon's wisdom. Now, two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One said, pardon me, my lord. This woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living, son, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours and the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, this one says my son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. They then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give one half to one and another half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby, don't kill him. But the other one said, neither I nor you should have him, cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling, give the living baby to the first woman, do not kill him, she is the mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had the wisdom from God to administer justice. Wow, yeah. So it's a pretty horrific story, really. You've had this one mother's lost her child. She's so desperate for another one. She's taking this child from this other woman. They're arguing over it. Um, yeah, pretty horrific. And, and the first thing that stands out to me really is how odd his reaction is to get a sword out in front of a baby. I think it's really odd. Um, and I, Jonty helped me make this graphic. It's kind of like, <laughs> but it is like if someone had been there and seen what was going on 
and then reported it, they would have been like, yeah, and then Solomon got out a sword and was going to cut this child in half. It's, it's so odd what's happened here. And I think that in a way, he's really staking his reputation because it's a very odd reaction. And yet, is exactly what needed to be done to bring out that reconciliation between the true mother and the son. And somehow, obviously through God's wisdom, he knew that was what needed to be done. Because the other thing that always stands out to me is surely even the other woman who's claiming that this is her child wouldn't want to see the baby cut in two. Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem logical if you were thinking about how to mediate the situation. It doesn't seem like this would necessarily bring out the right result, but it does. And I think... That's where my first point, I've got four points for um, this, if you're making notes and you want to number them. And we're going to spend the rest of the time looking at this now. Um, is that God's wisdom does not equate to worldly wisdom. And that sometimes God leads us to act against what is logical or what we think makes sense or even what other people are recommending for us to do. If you know that it's what God has asked you to do, then it's always going to bring out the result. It's always going to bring that reconciliation. Um, and in, yet in Isaiah 40, 28, it says, his wisdom is so beyond our ability to comprehend that we don't even have a comparison in anyone or anything. You know, we can't get our heads around it. And that's why we just need to really have that faith in him. When he's instructing us to do something, we should be doing it. And um, I just have this question for us to reflect on. Can you think of a time when God has directed you to act against conventional wisdom? Maybe you can already think of a situation where that's been the case. Or maybe you're in a situation now where you're not really sure what to do and God is kind of leading you to do something and you're not quite sure if, if it really makes sense. Actually, if God's asking you to do it, then it's definitely the right thing to do. Um, the second thing that really stands out to me is when he says, bring me a sword. And I feel like this is quite a dramatic moment from King Solomon because he's just got this audience and then he's like, bring me a sword. And he says, yeah, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one, half to the other. It's quite dramatic. I feel like maybe he's kind of enjoying this moment of like people being like, what's he going to do? Um, but he doesn't ask for that sword. Although he says here, he asked for the sword to cut the child in two. That's not actually what he's aiming for. Obviously, what he actually wants is to discern who is the right mother. And that's where it's that wisdom to discern what is right and what is wrong. Who is the true mother? Who's, who's not the right mother? And it makes me think of Hebrews 4. Sometimes I find it helpful to look at the Old Testament in parallel with the New Testament a bit, just to kind of illuminate what's going on. And in Hebrews 4... Verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In other words, it, it's the word of God that cuts between what is right and what is wrong, cuts between what is our natural instinct or something to do and what it is that the spirit is leading us to do. And... An example of this is that recently, Jonty and I were lucky enough to go to America. I went to see his family. It was lovely. But when we got to the airport, we were at the check-in desk. To go to America, you need to have a visa or you need to have something called an ESTA, which is like a, it's like a lower-grade visa, basically. And I had to travel on a visa, so I had my visa sorted. And then we got to the check-in desk, and the lady said to Jonty, oh, so have you got your ESTA confirmation email? And I looked at him, and I just knew... He hadn't even applied for it. <laughs> so obviously, my natural, my natural instinct 
would 100% be to absolutely freak out, either start crying or be really annoyed. Um, but we came away from the desk and we just sat down for a minute and um, we just sort of figured out what to do. And I, I never really hear God's voice audibly. Um, and I just really felt like God was saying, I love you and I have good plans for you. And it was like, it just, it just cut me to the core because it was like, wow, you love me, have good plans for me. And it was the word of God at that moment that I needed to cut between my natural instinct to just be annoyed and stress about the situation and actually what the spirit was leading me to do, which was not to worry. And, you know, we actually saw an amazing miracle because it normally takes like 72 hours for these to come through. And Jonty's came through in an hour. And like, it was the provision of God, it really was. But even if that hadn't happened, I still had that word and that's still with me now when I'm worrying about situations that I've got to do. I still hear that. I love you, I have good plans for you. And I think, you know, if we look at this situation here with Solomon, it's that sword that brings that discernment, that brings what is needed at that time. And I think, I just want to encourage you that maybe God has a word for you right now that is going to do that same thing for you. And... Um, yeah, I think I have a reflection. Yeah, can you think of a situation where you could ask for a sword or for God's word to empower you to respond or act differently to your instincts? Um, yeah, that really stands out to me here. The third point I wanted to look at is... I hope I'm not speaking too fast, by the way. It's okay, okay. <laughs> um, the third point that always... I've always found quite confusing is why is it that you have these two women of, well, it says they're prostitutes. It, we're not entirely sure. Some translations just say women. In any case, they're of low social standing. How is it that they get to come to the king with their problem and that he listens and then he actually deals with the situation? I'm like, how does that happen? And um, when we were reading it, I just felt like God was saying, that is true, that it's weird. But think about the fact that we get to come to him, that we get to come to him and that he listens to us. And that's actually even more crazy because, you know, these, obviously these are women of low social standing. He's the king. Yeah. But actually us in our brokenness, we get to come to him and present our issues to him and he listens. And again, this is from Hebrews 4. So after it speaks about, it speaks about the word of God being a double-edged sword and then if we look at Hebrews 4, verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's just, it's crazy, you know? And it's like verses 14 and 15 really lay out why is it that we get to come before his, before his throne with confidence? Because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did when he died for us. It means that we have this access to God. Just like these women have access to Solomon, we have even more access to our Father. Um, and I just, it just blows my mind that we get to do that and that he listens and he solves our problems. And I think 
sometimes we can forget that or we kind of know it. I kind of know like, oh yeah, I can always, I can always pray. But sometimes it stops being our instinct and it can just become a bit like, oh yeah, I probably should pray about that, but I'm going to try and do this first or I'm going to talk to this person about it first. But actually, it instructs us in Hebrews to come with confidence, come boldly before his throne. And I think sometimes it's good to highlight what is, that, what is it that's stopping me coming to him? Is it that I think he's not really listening or I think he's not really going to do anything or you've seen unanswered prayer? Actually, like, highlighting for yourself maybe or asking God to show you what are the challenges that are preventing me from coming to you and praying into those things and seeing if that can, if that can be removed so that you can come before him with confidence like we're told to do here. The fourth point is the good news that Solomon disappoints, but Jesus will fulfill, or Jesus fulfills right now. Solomon, for me, is like, he's so disappointing because he's kind of got everything. He's got the power, he's got the influence, he's got the money. He seems like quite a dynamic character, and yet his heart is divided. And we see, we've seen it already a bit in Kings where we've looked at you know, his choices in terms of who he's marrying. This becomes a really persistent issue for Solomon and it's actually these marriages that steal his heart completely from God in the end. And he can't do it. He can't lead the people in the way that he needs to. But the amazing news is that Jesus, that Jesus is here and that he is that person that Solomon couldn't be. And I remember we've been meeting as a, as a group to go through Kings, and then we've been like building study notes together that are the basis for these talks. Um, and I remember at first speaking to Jamie, I was like, but where's, where's the hero? Who am I following? Because you, you open Kings, and it's like it starts off, David's unwell, and then they bring this young woman to be a hot water bottle for him, and you're like, what is going on here? <laughs> And you, you kind of want someone to follow. You want to be like, okay, so this is, this is the good person. And if they're doing it, then it's got to be right. And if they're not doing it, yeah. You know, someone that you can track. But you, there, there isn't that in Kings because it, they're all broken people, these characters. But Jesus, but Jesus comes. And I just think that really helped me in terms of reading particularly Kings, but in general, the Old Testament is knowing that all of these, it says in Hebrews verse 10, or Hebrews 10 verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. There are aspects of Solomon that are like Jesus, like what we've been saying about the fact that he solves these women's issue, about the fact that he is wise. But it's, but it's a shadow. It's not Jesus. It's not, it's not what we actually need. It's not what we're actually looking for. And I think that I know that I do it all the time sometimes. I kind of start to put my faith in other things that are kind of good, they have aspects of God's character. You know, whether it be a person, people have aspects of, of God in them, but they're not Jesus. Or whether it's serving, serving is an amazing thing to do, but it's not going to fulfill in the way that Jesus does. We have to have Jesus as, 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 the, as the basis of our lives. Otherwise, we're going to end up feeling pretty, pretty disappointed. Um, yeah, and my reflection question there was, have you been disappointed by putting your faith in things other than God? It's time to come back to him. Because only he can do it. And only he can provide what we need to do our jobs. Only he can send that word that we need to divide between what's right and what's wrong. Only he can give us wisdom. And anything else is going to leave us feeling pretty empty. So these were the four questions that I mentioned in the talk, and 
I, don't, I think maybe one is standing out to you, hopefully. I don't think all of them would be. Um, but maybe if you just have a look at these, you know, we spoke about bring me a sword. Can you think of a situation where you could ask for a sword to empower you to respond or act differently to your instincts? We spoke about come boldly before the throne of grace. What are the challenges that prevent us from coming before him? What is it that's stopping us? We spoke about how odd his wisdom was. Can you think of a time where God has directed you to act against conventional wisdom? Or even a situation where he's asking you to do that now? And finally, have you been disappointed by putting your faith in things other than God? It's time to come back to him. Um, that is what I wanted to say today, I think. I hope something is speaking to you in that. Um, we're going to have a, a reflection song. Um, and people will be there as usual to pray after the meeting if anything is particularly stirring with you. I'd encourage you to do that. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.